0: Time ago, on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be with You, the Star Wars Comic Book Podcast, brought to you by the Punch Up Entertainment Network. I am one of your humble hosts, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the high hound to my bikini-clad villager, John Campbell. Mm.
1: hello mike hello listeners slash viewers oh i am the highest of hound today uh,
0: i told you to lay off the drugs before podcasting john
1: and i said never uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man we continue to be in the most epic of star wars stories this week don't we Gurgani?
0: Epic is certainly a word you could use. I have some other f- choice four-letter words that I would probably uh, apply to this current run that we're in. Obviously, we are still in the midst of the early days of Marble Comics Group Presents Star Wars. At last, beyond the movie, beyond the galaxy, even though it's still in that galaxy that is a long time ago in a f- galaxy far, far away firmly in that galaxy very Uh, much so in that galaxy yes
1: yeah if anything i would actually like for them to consider maybe moving a little bit more outside of the galaxy uh,
0: i don't i i think we could actually really benefit from moving a little bit back inside the galaxy i think we may be straight a little too far personally
1: well i mean it is uh boy you pick up issue nine that we're reading this week and um not a ton of familiar faces getting a lot of uh airtime
0: here I will say yes, we are talking about 1977's Star Wars number 9 from Marvel Comics, uh, written, ostensibly, by Roy Thomas. We've got pencils by Howard Chaykin, uh, inks and colors by Tom Palmer, and letters by John Costanza. Now, I say ostensibly, written by Roy Thomas, and we'll get into this next episode, but there is... And we've been hinting at this for a couple episodes now. There's a real sense that Roy Thomas could not give a shit about this book, and there are some real signs, especially in the next issue, that he is trying to get off of this book as quickly as possible.
1: Uh, agreed. Yeah, Uh, this is uh, a because the thing about it is, it sounds like we're kind of shitting on Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas is one of the greats of Marvel. There's no question. Um, there's an argument he is one of, if not maybe in the running for the best Conan writer, uh, yeah. uh you know, and, and things like that. So we love Roy Thomas. This is a gig for Roy Thomas. Is the thing? Uh-huh. It's like I, I don't want people to think that I would ever say anything bad about the man. He's given me some of my favorite things ever, but this is not a passion project for him by any means.
0: This is Roy Thomas needed to remodel his kitchen, so he needed to pick up some extra work. Roy Thomas.
1: Yeah. What else you got around that I could script? Uh, this is
0: Michael Caine in Jaws 4. This isn't him at his top of his game. And I feel like
1: that's the case for both of these guys, because we also have, at this point, also an up-and-comer, but future comics legend Howard Chaykin as well, doing, at best, inconsistent work. Because sometimes there are panels that look Gorgeous, as good as anything Chaikin's gonna do, and other times he just needed to finish that thing.
0: <laughs> well, monkeys and typewriters, John.
1: Yeah, it's sort of that exactly. But you're going like, because it, because just on paper, you go, Oh my god, how are Chaikin drawing Star Wars? I bet that looks great.
0: And again, how much of this is they're actually devoting time and energy to this? How much of this is well, we've got some rushed pencils and Tom Palmer is also rushing things on inks and colors, because I think yeah. the inks are all over the place in the last few issues in this one as well. I mean,
1: the the biggest thing will and we'll continue through that here, inconsistency is bigger than actual just like poor quality. That's true. It's more like sometimes it looks good, sometimes it looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let, so let's dive in because this cover promises, oh,
0: so much action. Yes. Again, we are back in it with our main man, Jackson, right front and center, though he seems to have lost his shirt. Uh, something yeah. I noticed in this cover is that in every appearance of Jackson we've seen thus far, he's been in a, uh, head to toe, not head to toe, but like neck to toe, uh, full body, like red, uh, Kind of zap, Branigan-y, uh Jump. jumpsuit. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what I think of him. He's got that sort of Flash Gordon-y kind of aesthetic right, about. Right. Him. Uh, but here he is, naked as the day's born, from all I can tell.
0: Uh, yeah, but uh, right off the bat, we have keep firing Chewy, all of you, which is a weird parlance, <laughs> right there. <laughs> the.
1: the- Already the dialogue is so weird on the cover Just keep firing Chewie And then dash dash As in the thought of actually all of you Now that I think about it
0: Or does he mean all of Chewie
1: That's right Chewie With every part of your being Keep firing (laughs) It's do or die Cause here come oh everyone's favorite Star Wars villains The Cloud Riders
0: Yeah yeah And that's what Jackson's saying too He says yeah and it looks like it's gonna be die wah, wah. and he's saying that at the camera
1: i or at the viewer the reader right uh or he's at chewy i don't
0: know it's tough to say
1: it's unclear also i don't know is that supposed to be chewbacca in the corner of it because what is that nose on that thing uh
0: Yeah, who knows? And look, there's we can talk about the inconsistencies of comic book covers and how they reflect on the interiors all day long, because that is a long, proud tradition that comes even to this day in comic books.
1: I more want to talk about how Han Solo is firing these blasters, because I don't really understand what this sort of uh, cross-gun shooting... I've you never seen you before. don't
0: see the the commonalities between the modern action hero where they hold one gun uh, wrist cross in a proper English fashion. Generally, you'd have your pinkies extended as well. But uh, obviously, Han is lacking in the mannerisms of the proper. Gentleman. Yeah, this,
1: is, this this is uh, this is I hear this covers where they got the idea for John Wick.
0: Yeah, it's true. we just <laughs> this
1: cover. Uh, yeah, very weird, very weird already, and it's going to continue to be strange as we open up the book.
0: Yeah, indeed, because right off the bat, we have uh, a, a hearty Hroog, uh from Chewbacca uh, uh, atop his mini Bantha.
1: Yeah, these are... Uh, I mean, this is a different planet. Are we to believe maybe Banthas are uh, growing a little differently there?
0: I guess, yeah. Obviously, so we've seen... Head? Uh, like what Banthas look like change radically over the course of these issues. Uh, specifically, once we've gotten away from the strict adaptation of A New Hope, I believe in issue number seven or eight, Banthas looked like a weird, like Doctor Seuss monster there for a second. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's so bizarre because Banthas are so ubiquitous. We we're very familiar with them as creatures in Star Wars, and here. I mean the, the design is right, but the scale is all wrong. Right.
0: And we get our reintroduction to some of the misfits that are along with Han Solo because to recap briefly, and the comic will really recap us in the next video.
1: We'll recap briefly. This comic will recap uh, as long as possible. Yeah. Uh, Han Solo's yeah. on
0: this planet. He's collected a magnificent seven esque uh band of misfits to protect a village from a group our of raiders. Apology.
1: The memories of everyone in the original Magnificent Seven, or even <laughs> remotely, because <laughs> somewhere Yul Brenner is spinning in his grave, as we say that. Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, but yeah, we get our first look at uh Han Chewy Jackson with like a weird, sad face. I don't know what's going on with Jackson's face in this panel. Yeah, I don't, uh Jackson's what... face is all over the place in the entire book, to be fair, but they haven't really ever landed on like just how cartoony is this rabbit because it vacillates wildly.
1: Yes, he 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 goes between your rocket raccoon and your Bugs Bunny a lot in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've also got uh, everybody's favorite uh, old timey uh, vaudeville burlesque dancer.
0: Amaza <laughs> of the oh. black hole gang. Jeez, Amaza!
1: Right? Uh, 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 She's—I uh, I think she's a rejected side character from a Zatana comic, if I'm not mistaken. No, uh, like it's just sort of like she feels like she's in that world of like stage. Magi- they're riding through the desert, and she's still in the the red bikini top with the pink pom poms on the shoulders.
0: To be fair, John, we have long since established that actually han solo is the weird one for wearing full length pants and a uh, long sleeve shirt in this true
1: universe. it's true because uh we've got uh our favorite hedgy the porcupine uh, what's he a
0: spiner as they say he's a spiner he's like a weird porcupine luchador with like a green cape going on yeah i say luchador, luchador. but like that's just because the cape really gives that vibe
1: Yeah, and it's it's got the coloring of the Ra's Ghoul cape. Uh, He stole this from the demon's head. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, we've got... Oh, my God. The character, I just... Look, everyone is insane in this, but Don Juan Quixote, I despise beyond anything because the laziness, the insanity, the way this doesn't fit into the world of Star Wars. This guy is supposedly a Jedi Knight, and it, apparently at this point, the assumption is Jedi Knights are proper historical knights. Specifically as in, uh, like
0: European-era armor-clad knights. Because again, yeah. we have to remember that as this comic was being written, the only context they have for everything in the Star Wars universe is just the first movie. So when right. Obi-Wan Kenobi is saying Jedi Knights of the Old Republic... The yeah. only context we have is what we've seen on screen in 1977's it, it, it's Star
1: Wars. Obi One, right? Obi One is yeah. the only thing we have for an aesthetic of a Jedi, right? But I don't. I. I mean, you, one could argue he's not dressed in. Um, I think we've talked about this before that, like, we don't. Uh, we don't yet know that the way Obi One is dressed and that is how all Jedi dresses and the robes and stuff, but. Right. I don't know that the assumption was, at some point, they wore full, like, metallic armor like this, and it's sort of like, yeah, they look like knights, as we would know them in pop culture.
0: Let alone carry a lance, like we see Don Juan carrying here in this first page, which will immediately disappear in the rest of the issue. But Yeah,
1: well, because they just, we've already established in previous issues he has a lightsaber, or lightsabre, as I like to say from their spelling. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but here, yeah, he's got a lance, and also... That, that's like a huge, heavy thing that he's just carrying through the desert. That seems like a bad idea across the board. Well, look. I hate, look,
0: this. I hate this character. There's lots of bad ideas, including the next page, which is just Han recapping everything we've been talking about.
1: Hey, everybody, in case you missed it, here's Previously on Star Wars.
0: And again, I, I really... I don't want to harp on this too much, but the idea of Han Solo being this, like, thoughtful, introspective individual with these just, like, stacks and stacks of thought bubbles really tickles my fancy.
1: It's so far off of the character. I also love him referring to himself in his own mind as Solo. You yeah. know, he's right, Solo. Uh, We also get... we <laughs> So we get the whole story Is you guys have listened to the episodes before. or If you haven't, you can. Uh of of the insanity of Han and Chewie immediately having their reward stolen so they can't pay Job of the Hut. Right. Uh, By one of the craziest gangs of space pirates you've ever seen. Oh, um,
0: I hope we get back to it. What was his name? Crimson Jack, Scarlet Jack, one of those rim- Yeah, Crim is it
1: maybe it's Scarlet Jack? I think I feel like I want to say Crimson Jack, but that may just become uh because of Crimson Dawn, a Star Wars thing that's later
0: mm-hmm, around mm-hmm. Uh,
1: that is cooler and much more thought out than anything here. Thanks uh, to
0: podcast time travel, we have no recollection as to who those characters may or may not have been. Yeah,
1: uh, but uh, firmly we get. Uh, if I thought the weird crossing of Han's guns on the cover was weird, how about this drawing of two guys just? I guess maybe guns are heavy, so let's just go ahead and rest the barrels of our guns on top of each other. Yeah, you know, just, just gently touch though. tips. Yeah, I mean, we've, uh, we were talking about, this is a fairly progressive group, so I don't want to get in on what anybody's up to here. But uh, something's
0: going on, it's very delicate, it's very gentle. I Just pulled up the uh, the previous issue in which he appeared, yeah. and it is a uh, Crimson Jack. Let us not forget. Oh, okay. because I'm sure he will be a very important character moving forward, undoubtedly.
1: Uh, absolutely, uh, and, and who could forget hit that all those films they made about him and mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. cartoon show and the no uh, the thing the thing I really love here though is the boxes of money that look like cardboard boxes that <laughs> someone has written Han Solo's name on.
0: Yeah, you know, just in case they get lost, and he needs to, if found, please return to Han Solo, Caro, yeah. Millennium Falcon.
1: Just, alright, Chewie, I want to make sure none of this stuff gets replaced so or gets lost in here. So, right, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's dumb. I do like yeah. Han punching this, this insane, overly dramatic punch that I don't quite understand how punching all the way across like that is somehow causing
0: an uppercut. Eh, it's dynamic. Um, but yeah, he's basically recapping what we've gone over the last couple of issues. Uh, yeah. This next page honestly does a lot of that too, because we get our rundown of the the yeah. magnificent, however many that happen to be here. How how many are yeah. there? Two, four, six, eight? I guess total if you count Chewy.
1: Yeah, fun.
0: I mean, I, I like don't it. know if I don't know if some of these people actually qualify as like full ranking members because. Uh, if- I we'll think talk about the,
1: Effie is just a hanger-on, right? No,
0: because Effie actually does stuff. Let's talk about Jim Stark. Star so
1: it, it's We've recruited Effie, and he's dragged Jim. It's the reverse. Yeah. Jim. Yeah. I like to call him Jim-um.
0: jim because he's got that extra M in there. That's true. Jim-um.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another character I despise. <laughs> yeah, no, because he,
0: cool. he is Luke Skywalker at home, right?
1: Yes, absolutely he <laughs> is. Anyone who ever complains about Luke Skywalker being whiny or annoying in A New Hope... You haven't met Jimim star Starkiller because he—he <laughs> he is. If 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 the one scene about complaining about power converters at Tashi Station was an entire character, it's this guy. <laughs> he
0: he is uh, whining about meeting his friends at Anchorhead Maiden Made Flesh.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Is that? <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and he's got his little tank buddy robot who is basically just the upper half of a robot jammed onto tank treads.
0: Yes, and the tank tread robot is named Effie and it has like Inspector Gadget powers, as we'll see later in this issue. Effie, yeah, uh, not nearly as cool as Inspector Gadget.
1: Yeah, go Effie, go. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I was expecting them to get to this village and have to fight Claw, you know? I'll get you, Effie. (laughs) Dude, that's actually, Claw is cooler than who they actually face, so... Oh, um, it's
0: absolutely true. Uh, Because, yeah, we have them riding up over this ridge, and we see that uh, in the distance we have the village they're going to protect, which apparently Jim is from once upon a time.
1: Yeah, kind of new information to me. Uh, But uh, we mentioned the High Hounds... And, uh, boy, here they come, folks. These aren't birds. They're high hounds.
0: And they're bloodthirsty scavengers. They're going to pick the peasants' crops bare if we don't stop them. Which Absolutely. We get this drop dialogue here of the high hounds are going to pick the crops bare. That's mm. bad,
1: yes? Uh, uh, that's what they tell me.
0: Now, when... Han Solo is like, all right, better not to ask. Get your blasters ready. Let's go. And they go riding down the hill. Oh, you famous star hoppers. Sure. Star hoppers is yet more of them trying to get that to be a thing. And it's not going to be a thing, Roy Thomas.
1: Come on, George. When you're writing Star Wars 2, as it was just called at this point, I hope Star hoppers gets used a lot.
0: But we get our high hounds here, and they don't seem to be going after the crops. They seem to be going after the farmers. And especially considering they keep saying they're bloodthirsty scavengers, that really does drive home the fact, like, I don't think they're after produce here.
1: I I don't think so either. Let's talk about what these things look like, because... Here's the thing that gets me about this. Now, this is a comic book, right? So you can realize anything without the limitations of budget or practically making a thing on screen. Comic Mm -hmm. books can really open up the imagination in that sense. Yet we've still chosen to render these guys as people in costumes, basically.
0: Basically, they look like something you would see in one of the darker Jim Henson movies, like a labyrinth or the dark crystal or something. Yeah, I Uh, expected David
1: Bowie to be summoning these things here in a second. You know, like,
0: yeah, they look like dudes with bug eyes, with big feathery manes, and these enormous feet that look like several bananas tied together.
1: Yeah, I think they're going for talons, but that's not what's coming up here to me. Uh,
0: (laughs) I see banana feet, John.
1: uh, That's uh, absolutely. And they're attacking this. Is this an apple orchard? I'm just looking at what the crops are.
0: It's space fruit. Don't worry about it. Space
1: fruit. And uh, the the terrifying scraw of these things attacking.
0: Yes, uh, you love a good scraw, uh, but only when it's followed up by an e-zik as they are blasted. Uh, because as we come across these bikini-clad uh, villagers, and this is where we establish that bikini is the norm when it comes to yes. village dress on this planet. We're on Aduba 3.
1: You want to say this is being exploitative with the female characters we've seen in bikinis. But we discover male, female, young, old, everybody in this village is wearing some form of bikini outfit.
0: So Han Solo is actually, and Jackson for that matter, is the weird one for being mostly clothed. A little overdressed. Uh, (laughs) What is this, a wedding?
1: uh, uh, Can I talk about in this third panel? What's Han doing with his blaster right there?
0: He's going to shoot his own shoulder off because he's sick of being in this comic book.
1: It looks like it. I just, there are things... I, You know, we have friends in the comic book industry. We know artists who spend so much time studying anatomy and how the body moves and things like that. And just to see this and going like, what in the hell? What is his hand doing here?
0: Because for our listeners who aren't seeing this on the YouTube, though, I do recommend going to go check out the YouTube version of the show to get a little bit better visual. We have Han Solo here whose face is radically different than what we've seen before because that's nothing new in this comic. But, oh,
1: yeah, I, I, I've just given up expecting him to look the same from panel. Right, his
0: haircut has radically changed his face is now like that of an angry ape. And <laughs> he is pointing his gun crossways across the panel, and it looks like he is jamming it into his own collarbone.
1: Yeah, yeah it's very are odd. They, are they trying to do some kind of over-the-shoulder, like, cool gunslinger move?
0: I would assume that if the next panel didn't immediately have him have his arm straight up shooting at something in the sky.
1: Yeah. Is he? Is, okay. This is the only thing. I, well, no, because he's already shooting, right? I was going to say, yes. this isn't like we're catching him mid draw and he's kind of here bringing the gun up, but he's already shooting. So, no. No, because
0: make- if, if we look at the last panel of the last page, go back. He the already, page, the gun out. He already yeah. has the gun out. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. No, I, this doesn't make any sense. Nope. zik though, my friend, nope. Zik-Zik. Zik-Zik and, indeed. Uh, everybody's shooting. Uh, now, I want to talk about Hedgy, who is exclusively relying on, and if we go to the next page, they talk about it, the certain flex of his muscles to shoot his quills, or spines, I guess, as they would say here, mm. at people, or at these things. Uh, but I just thought, he doesn't need a blaster, but it's like, maybe also carry a blaster? Cause I don't know the idea that he's just sitting there going.
0: <laughs> I honestly think Hedgy is the most interesting of these characters that we have here. I, I think there's this weird mystique built around him of just like, okay, he specifically doesn't use a blaster cause he's like, uh, honoring this heritage of this like near-extinct species that he belongs to, and we keep getting these dropped lines of, like, he is near the last of his species. The Empire has almost wiped out who his people are, and so he only relies on his pincushion abilities to fight off marauders.
1: effective, because they are talking about he is laying waste to these things, and as they talk about, he's turning the foremost of the marauding manhawks into a formerly living pincushion. Oh... That's that's pretty badass, actually.
0: Yeah, I, I super dig everything going on with Hedgy. I don't think he gets enough screen time. This comic has no interest in exploring any of these characters, uh, especially not the, quote-unquote, last of the Jedi Knights, Don Juan well, Uh
1: Let's meet a character who's not badass at all,
0: who is literally saying, Fie
1: upon you, foul featherly fiend!
0: Yeah, I... There's a lot of problems with Don Juan Quixote, and the art in this panel really isn't helping because uh, he looks like he is uh, trying to yodel in a Ricola commercial.
1: <laughs> you know what? He looks like the. Um, uh, do you remember the, the Pixar short with the old man playing chess? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. What sign, That's what his face looks like to me. He's also, it's it- the same they use for the, the toy fixer guy in Toy I Story. I was going to
0: say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same model.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, that's what it looks like to me, that weird kind of hawkish nose and skinny sort of face with the big bald head. Mm-hmm. Um, still, and he is just waving this white lightsaber around.
0: Yeah, this is, the
1: lance is gone.
0: The lance is gone, but this is also the first non-pink lightsaber we've seen.
1: Yeah, and it's white, which is interesting because I, I feel like we won't really get white lightsabers till we get to Ahsoka, Way later in the you know franchise. There,
0: I mean, John, strap in because we're going to see lightsabers of all sorts of colors as we trek through the the dark horse age later.
1: Let's talk about in sort of uh, mainline canon at least.
0: <laughs> sure, first white lightsaber you've seen maybe.
1: <laughs> well, because yeah, as we've done ta- the comic books because they were sort of the only thing uh, aside from uh, aside from the. Uh, uh, you know, the the movies for a long time. The comics filled in a lot of stuff that was, you know, pretty wild. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh,
0: this is not even close to as wild as it's going to get in these comics.
1: No, 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 no. Yeah. So uh, so he's swinging away at this thing. And, uh, and J- I mean, I will say Jim is putting these things down. I mean, everybody only here. Only
0: is- with Effie's help. Effie's holding it still so that Jim can shoot it at point blank range.
1: Here you go, Jim. Please kill thing. Um, yeah, it's like
0: Jim's trying to shoot things, and Effie has to literally hold the bird man in front of his blaster in order for Jim to hit it. And, Meanwhile, uh, Jax is literally punching them in the face.
1: He's got he's given a big old uppercut to this thing here. Um, I, you know what? I did just hit me. These things are not dissimilar. Change the color on them. To Ivan Ooze's henchmen in the Power Rangers movie.
0: Whoa, you're absolutely right. Those weird like he, crow dudes. Yeah, he
1: had the army of like crow people. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, that's
1: good. Pull, good pull. Yeah. Hey man, there's always Power Rangers on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah. Uh. And so yeah, everybody's just shooting away here, and then okay, I want to talk about how. But Okay, so in comics, you're breaking time down into panels, and you're uh, often extending moments. But I think they might take this a little far with what happens here at the end of this panel, at the end of this page and beginning of the next one.
0: Something you'll notice in comic books is there's an elastic nature to how much time is actually passing between panels and within panels. And yeah. you kind of play around with that, especially when it comes to character dialogue, you have to make certain assumptions about how much time people have to say things. And these panels that we're about to talk about really stretch credulity of both the amount of time available for Han Solo to say things and also mm-hmm. the angle it and like trajectory of things in which he is accounting for that time.
1: Because I would say one of the key things about the art form as a storyteller is figuring out what's happening in those gutters between panels, right? Mm-hmm. What is moving between them? What you're choosing to. Uh, one of the best descriptions I ever heard from uh, uh, years ago when we interviewed the great artist Joel Jones, she mm-hmm. said, you you think about a scene in a comic book like a movie if you were to pause the five most important images to convey a scene.
0: Yeah. No, that's a and good thought, way of putting it.
1: That's, that's a great like just look at a scene in a movie and go, how can I convey this in like five or six images or whatever. Yeah. Let's talk about what happens here. So, uh this is more than but I think this is important to zero in on this moment specifically to understand how weird this is. So, we've got one of these <laughs> hawkmen as they're now being or manhawks as they're calling them. Manhawks,
0: high hawks, the marauding high bloodthirsty high scavengers. What oh, they to
1: yeah, it's another great thing to establish mythos in a comics to call something five different things in a couple pages. Uh,
0: John, that's what this comic's been doing literally the whole time with everything.
1: It's it's I just love the idea about like we want to establish things in Star Wars, but we also want to all, call it a bunch of different stuff. Um so anyway, so Han Solo notices this woman about to get grabbed by one of these things. And in this time number 1, I I love uh Well, actually, even before that, if we go to the previous show, Ameza notices it first and tells Han Solo this is about to happen.
0: Solo, over there, to your right. And he says, thanks, lady, whoever you are. Thanks, lady, I see her, one of the locals, being chased by a high hound, but... Even if I take him out at this range, he's liable to crash right into her. And we see on this bottom panel, Han has turned and is seeing a high hawk swooping down out of the sky. We've got speed lines and everything coming down with his big banana feet at a villager, bikini clad, as she is running through the space fruit and seemingly tripping and falling as is a damsel in distresses eternal right. And she is screaming, ee a series of E's that are actually cut off by the panel edge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Even the panel couldn't contain the amount of E's. Now, go to the next page. We have a inset panel of her. Is this fear? Is this pain? I don't know what the deal is here exactly. But anyway, the girl has already closed her eyes, consigning her soul to whatever god she may worship.
0: Is the words on the panel, yeah. Uh Thomas,
1: shut up. <laughs> um but now Han okay
0: when Han, suddenly
1: yeah Han is now Ban on Bantha has grabbed the woman turned back behind him and he's shooting the high hound in the fi- By the way yeah we've been saying high hawk and high hound why are they called high hounds there's nothing hound like about them they are hawk like it's they're called high hounds but then people call them uh manhawks
0: Pick no idea, away. John.
1: Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Uh, and also, here's Stoneface, try chewing on a laser beam for a while. Not that it'll be too easy with no teeth, or for that matter, no head. All, so he said all of this in the time it took to see a woman being this thing swooping down at it, for him to ride over, turn, shoot it, grab the woman. And in that time, he said a full paragraph or more of dialogue.
0: Right. The idea being that he has ridden this Bantha so fast, you know, an animal built for speed. Yeah,
1: famously one of the fastest creatures in Star Wars.
0: (laughs) Uh, And has basically power-slid it to intercede between the the woman who has tripped and fallen and the descending high hound.
1: Dare I say he did a Tokyo drift? Uh.
0: (laughs) Okay, you say that, but I now so desperately want to see some, like... Wacky racers esque version of Star Wars in which everyone is riding a different conveyance and goes on uh fast and furious esque race escapades.
1: All I'm saying is Disney, I'm available to write your fast and furious Star Wars movie because I am here for it all day. I mean, it's a pod racing movie, right? Yeah, well, 100%. When you as soon as you said wacky racers and Star Wars, I'm going, that is pod racing, and yeah. actually. I think a pod racing movie could be cool. I think the placement of that scene in Phantom Menace is weird and really a long section of that movie. But in concept, I love pod racing.
0: Yeah, that's why anyone who complains about the uh, the Canto bite sequence in The Last Jedi, I was like, okay, but pod racing.
1: <laughs> it's still half the length of that pod race.
0: Uh,
1: a scene that has almost no dialogue and no music. It's all just uh, engine sounds.
0: I I do like, I think it was on an episode of Blank Check, most likely, because they cover the Star Wars stuff in depth, where uh, Griffin Newman says, well, they can't just take the kid.
1: (laughs) Lord, no. Um, So, uh, and with that, apparently seeing one of these things just have its head blown clean off, as is implied, that's when the the High Hawks have had enough, man. They're like, all right, we're not going to win this fight.
0: Well, they killed their leader, Gary, so... That was Gary Daniels, man! Don't you know? He had a family! He was two days away from High Hawk retirement.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, uh, hey man, all the killing's over, and so you know, when you're done with the killing, it's time to get a little action.
0: I guess, as chaste of action as this comic is going to have, which is <laughs> Han Solo has his arms around this bikini-clad woman, and she's like, oh, thank you so much, stranger, for rescuing me, but I don't understand. And Han Solo's like, hey, we're here to help.
1: Well, as he says, things are starting to look up on Aduba 3. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, thankfully, there's a nice big saddle between uh, Han Solo and this woman, that, uh, so and things aren't looking too up. What are they...
1: Implying is the texture of this bikini bra here because it's looking very Red Sonia to me, but I don't think that's what they're they're not going for chainmail.
0: I think it's feathers personally, because like just yeah. based on the material we see available, it is either space fruit and it's associative like stalks and branches or high hound bits. Well, and this is where you're talking about
1: the inking needs to be, because it's so, like, half-heartedly, like, there's some texture in
0: there. Yeah, don't worry about it. Remember those bikinis that uh, people wore when they talked to Bill Shatner back in the day? It's probably one of those.
1: This is very Star Trek Village kind of stuff here Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. with this crowd. Uh, And just look, but look look at these last three panels. If you're here, if you're watching on YouTube... Just look at how many words are, are here. It's just, it's insane to me. I, I feel like I have to say this every week where I just can't believe how many words
0: are on the page and how much it's cluttering the images. It really does feel like Roy Thomas is getting paid by the word. Yeah, Absolutely, because there is
1: <laughs> so much in this, and we'll get to even worse, um, about he is just
0: overwriting at every turn. Uh, even Claremont is like, cool it. Uh, (laughs) Well, at least Claremont did us the due diligence of giving us named characters to only brutally slaughter them uh, in the next few panels to establish how bad the bad guys are.
1: True, true. So let's go to the next page here. And now they, they get to the
0: village where everybody is happy to see them, I guess. Uh, yeah, all the bikini-clad people are yeah. uh, extremely like, "Oh, good! You, the guys we sent to town, actually came through, and Han Solo's here with his gang of misfits to try to save us from Sir X. and yeah. we <laughs> Sir JLX. Yeah, Uh and I don't know what they're doing with all of these boxes at the bottom of this page here, but like all this dialogue that we see on this page is basically just Han Solo reiterating that like, yeah, we kind of don't know what we're doing. We expect you to pay us. We're going to defeat Sir JX. Uh, yeah. The girl you just rescued rescued is the village spokesman's daughter, and her name is Mary, uh, but spelled yep. weird because it's space.
1: M-E-R-R-I, yes. That's yeah. That's space space uh, this gets one of the things i hate in old comics which is the panel that's randomly
0: all orange why was this a thing in like 70s comics it's a thing i've noticed a lot and it's something that's like it done purposefully in something like Watchmen to evoke certain emotions yes
1: well because Watchmen's a masterpiece uh sure. i i think I, this feels like it's just like I, yeah i don't I don't I don't actually, I can't even come up, I can't even bullshit a reason why this is the case. This seems like sheer laziness to just go, just make this one orange.
0: <laughs> just so you, we do don't
1: you, have to color it. Well, it seems to be transitional, because it's like Han getting off the bantha, and then he's talking to the people. And then it goes back to full color, uh, although the weird rust color of Han's hair weirds me out.
0: Yeah, and I, I kind of get it in the last panel, because we have the characters that would be in the yeah. deep focus be all like monochromatic well, and then the character in the in the foreground has like more texture and shading there's still two tones to it though so it's still yeah. like there's a you're
1: right there's an interesting composition here that's actually evoking something here the, this panel that i was looking at before is just all orange the and, middle and left I, panel yeah yeah i have no idea why it is yeah. just weird cuz cuz also in the in the far right panel the guy in the far background is just orange as if like he's in a different part of the frame hmm. or like like they're they're almost implying he's like out of focus in some way or something like that you know
0: yeah that's what i took it to be as so like that's for fine. so i guess the whole left panel there in the middle is just blurry in comics language <laughs> Oh, we didn't we didn't have anyone running focused. Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the transition between that panel and the middle panel here is like a slow rack focus from blurry to specific. I guess. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, great. Let's get to the weirdness of this next page because I really want to hear your thoughts about Roy Thomas's writing here.
0: Oh, God damn it, I hate this. So, the word meanwhile is an amazing space saver in comic books. It's one of the
1: greatest gifts as a comic book writer to be able to just write. Meanwhile,
0: it lets you know that we're going to a different scene. We're going to Mm -hmm. probably be with different characters and we are going to be moving from one place to another, but it's happening at the same time. That's a meanwhile. It's a it's a, yep. a per- perfectly suitable transition that requires it's- one word and anyone reading a comic book will immediately know what you're talking about. I was say, and so Roy un- Thomas devotes two paragraphs to it's <laughs> simple, it's ubiquitous,
1: it's instantly understandable. But Roy Thomas isn't satisfied with it here. So please, and- if you will, in place of now what we he could have written meanwhile and we all would have known exactly, but if you will, please Uh, present our readers with what he has written in place of the word meanwhile.
0: But, but he hasn't though, because he also includes the word meanwhile in the midst of these two paragraphs to say, I could have just said meanwhile, but I chose not to. So instead he says this. Yeah. Time is an all but meaningless concept in the vast sea of stars. That's totally the right tone. Yet, if such a word as meanwhile can have any relevance at all, then this is what is happening at the self-same moment on the fourth moon of the distant planet of Yavin, or rather, beneath the surface of the jungle-infested satellite? I despise that.
1: That is That might be the worst piece of comic book writing I've ever seen.
0: And again, uh, why does it end on a question mark? I don't know. Yeah,
1: because we know that's the case. Number one, <laughs> Roy Thomas loves to tell me that the rebel base is beneath the surface of the jungle.
0: Jungle infested is also weird.
1: Like, well, I, I there mean, wasn't I jungle get,
0: before, and those damn jungles always coming in and stealing our jobs. That's what I mean. It, it makes it seem
1: like the surface of the planet is not inherently jungle. It's like this jung- <laughs> ah These jungles keep cropping up everywhere. Um, so weird. And then like, but you just go like, yes. That is what's happening. Where's the question mark? Yeah, Uh, I don't know. I hate this so much. But even more so, I hate this inset panel... Of Princess Leia, where she has the worst case of face melt I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, the back of her head's kind of morphing and she kind of looks like a thumb here with a wig. Yeah. We've all seen Thumb Wars, right? It looks like Princess Bunhead from Thumb Wars.
1: It looks a little bit like that, especially for a guy who's kind of known for drawing like sexy ladies, Howard Jakin, to mm. just be like, I don't know, here's a lady's face, get See, it out.
0: I'm more concerned with the laser beam going through the neck of the guy at the bottom left of this second what? panel here. What is, what, yeah, what is happening here? Is I this don't some, know. Are they trying
1: to do some kind of lens flare effect? Is this early J.J. Abrams stuff? I assumed uh,
0: he was part of the foosball race and his neck is attached to some kind of pole that allows him to ambulate.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to turn the crank if you want me to use this console.
0: There
1: um, <laughs> you go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, 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 ah, yeah. the
0: Fusians of Foosball 8.
1: Oh. Got it. <laughs> of oh, Foosball, yeah. Um, but uh, the, foosball, <laughs> the Fusians are a proud race. Uh,
0: <laughs> but we can only move in uh, one direction at a time.
1: <laughs> and we have to all move in rows. So if you mm-hmm, move one, you'll be four of us. Uh, but, uh, you move one I of had- us. You move
0: us all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the the rallying cry of the Fusians. Uh <laughs> So Leia is arguing with General Dodonna here because she's upset. If you remember the previous issue, Luke Skywalker has gone in search of a new place for the rebels to to form a base, which is like if you think about the time between uh, uh, A New Hope and Empire, even if you don't know Empire is coming, just based on the end of A New Hope, the rebels need to find a new base because the Empire now know where they are. So that makes yeah. sense. Uh, it's something that Jason Aaron comic will later do, too. It's sort of like, oh, well, obviously there was some process before we get to Echo Base on Hoth.
0: Yeah, and that is a nice, logical leap to take the direction of the story of Star Wars. If you just have yeah. that first movie and you have to immediately address what happens in the aftermath, the two things that stick out are Han getting paid and paying off his debt to Jabba the Hutt totally yeah. tracks and Rebels have to find a new base. Absolutely. Makes 100% sense. Now,
1: Roy Thomas immediately trashes that first story by having Han's reward instantly stolen.
0: By the classic character of Crimson Jack, yes.
1: The most beloved character in all of Star Wars. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but here we have... Uh, the the What I love is uh, just how much they shuttle Luke to the side immediately. And it's just like, oh yeah, a couple panels with him. So he... Uh Leia's worried. We cut to Luke who's on the rebel blockade
0: runner. Or like a squat mini version of it. It kind of looks yeah. like it, but it is absolutely not the Tantive IV.
1: It well, it's true. I but is it supposed to be and it's just a poor
0: rendering? No, I don't think so because we'll see. In, I've read ahead a little bit. In later issues, it is a much smaller vessel. Okay.
1: So it, it it's
0: some sort of
1: smaller version of it that is basically the design of that though. It's got yeah. the hammerhead and the multiple engines on the back mm-hmm. uh, so yeah and and Luke's flying around on that with 3PO and r2 and they're looking for uh a, a new planet for the the rebels to hide on
0: and they have found their way to the star Sun Drexel uh an unnamed mm-hmm. planet of this system that seems to be a maybe a, a good option for where the rebels may now transport their base
1: mm-hmm uh it is <laughs> By the way, uh, Drexel is the name of Gary Oldman's villain in uh, True Romance, and that's all I can think about is weird Rastafari and Gary Oldman when I hear Drexel.
0: <laughs> How many years before True Romance is this comic? Oh,
1: I mean, 15, maybe.
0: <laughs> so, who knows? Yeah. Uh,
1: well, if you know what? If anyone is going to borrow a name from a Star Wars comic from the 70s, it's Tarantino. That's uh, yeah, true. <laughs> I like that Drexel. So, uh, here's some weird dialogue between three PO and Luke. Can I just say how much I love the term? You bet your carbon. Sc- you bet your carbon scoring marks. Yeah, that's a because weird
0: thing Luke to say. Over the last few issues, we've had. Uh, at least one of these, like, meanwhiles where Luke is kind of gearing up and going out yeah. to find this place. And so every time now, when we cut back to Luke, he's having to re-explain what is going on in these meanwhiles.
1: Yep. And it's just like, yes, that's right, 3PO. We are still looking for a new home for the rebels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we go, we go to the next page and he calls Princess Leia...
0: Yeah, and, and he yeah. says, hey, I think I found a new base, it's on this Drexel, but uh-oh, what's this? I'm getting cut off because something off-camera is happening. And so Leia loses his call, and she's like, Luke, Luke, the image is gone. M- more power, Ensign, you've got to give me re- more receiving power. It's no use her hideous, he stopped sending. I was gonna
1: say, it's just Scotty going, I'm giving it all, she just got uh, more power. Uh, I'm uh, an engineer, yeah. not a Verizon technician. <laughs> brought to you by the good folks at verizon um <laughs> uh the fight and so i just so they've lost signal with him for and within like a minute less than a minute leia's like that's it i'm getting in a ship to go after him which i mean you know, you know, famously flying off the handle princess leia
0: yeah uh, early princess leia is more of a like rogue and a rebel I guess than we would get in later especially in the by, sequel trilogy.
1: Well, and it's actually even by the time you get to Empire you have a more hardened military leader. Yeah. You know, you have somebody who is far more in command and collected. But yeah. here um she's going to run off but her back has also gone out horribly here.
0: Yeah, she she is running like a Scooby Doo character in the way that like Daphne or Velma will have their kind of wrists up in front of them, their back nearly parallel with the ground, and their legs kind of moving below them.
1: There she goes, mm-hmm. uh, and this, this radar technician is totally checking at her ass too.
0: I mean, look if 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 the princess is going to be uh, mm-hmm. swooping around the command center in this like. Mm-hmm pretty hip-hugging white garb, and then is going to be, like, running ass-backwards towards Luke Skywalker. The the guy is going to go for a little bit of a romance comic. Uh Oh. Oh. (laughs) Oh.
1: Oh. Is what his dialogue should actually be. Um, (laughs) Instead of,
0: uh, even if we keep sending, some stray Empire ships may be liable to, then stop sending. Princess Leia, where are you? Oh, she's gone. Mm-hmm. yeah she she never lets this guy get a word in edgewise
1: because she's going to find uh luke skywalker no matter what right um so uh she runs off screen here conceivably to get a ship uh and uh let's see so the anyway that's the end of luke and leia for this
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they just get this little bit of a a, a boop, and then they are uh, out of here, as we have to get back to Han Zolo and a bikini-clad old man screaming about monsters.
1: This guy who... Now, th- looking at this, is he an old man, or is he the victim of some sort of chemical burns? It could be both. Hey, both things can happen. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh... Because, yeah, he, uh... He, Han is trying to get everybody together to battle Sir JX, and this guy's going, Hey, wait a minute. I know how to s- defeat Sir JX.
0: I can summon a beast. I have a mystical solution that I once beheld in my youth. I tell you in all sobriety that we do not need you or your alien horde to drive these outlaws from our village. <laughs> And everybody in this.
1: I just love the way everybody's like, shut up, old man. Yeah. He's,
0: he starts talking about some kind of mystical, magical solution. And immediately he's uh, Han Solo is just like, look, I don't care what you're on about, old man. All I know is Sir JX is coming. And we got blasters. and We got to stop him. And even the old man's son, who is the village headman, is just like, look. He's an old man. Don't mind my father. He considers he fancies himself a mystic or a shaman, capable of summoning some legendary monster to save our village. Nobody takes this seriously. I just, I just love that even in
1: space they're like, "I'm, I'm really sorry for my dad." He's <laughs>
0: somebody's having a senior moment, well, and. Uh, <laughs> We talk about senior moments. This is the page of fucked up faces because we get panels of both Han Solo and Jackson look like they're in the middle of strokes just as yeah. Sir X is attacking.
1: Really? Like this, the, the, the far right here, panel of Han with his, yeah, his mouth, like going pulling to the side and going, uh, is bad. But then Jackson's face is really messed up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not really sure what's going on there. Uh, no, because, but- yeah, Sir X is coming and we got to take cover because it's time to shoot some Cloud Riders. It's Kerblaz time. I do love a good Kerblaz because, yeah, in this last panel here, we've got Sir X flying in with his Cloud Riders and then we get him and his mustachioed glory on the next page. Uh, I mean, this is full on
1: Dick Dastard. You mentioned Wacky Racers earlier. This is full on Dick Dastardly from. Wacky racers, right? Absolutely, yeah.
0: I'm just—we uh, don't have a Muttley anywhere in here, but I was expecting it.
1: I really, we should be, but uh, you know, he's got the goggles and the Snidely Whiplash mustache, and he's going, yes, "Hello." Yeah, Um, that's now how I read all of Sir JX's dialogue is, get you, Han Solo!
0: I wish it were that innocent, though, because we do have some really disturbing implications here in Sir JX's dialogue about what he plans to do if he takes what he wants from the village, including some of the young women.
1: You can start doling out the tribute you've been saving up for us all year, right? And that includes the cream of your crop who just reached the age I like them. <laughs>
0: you know. Right. What's her name? Mary. So he knows enough about this village that he can name drop one of the village leader's daughters.
1: Excuse me, I have a list of the women I'd like from your village here. Now, number one, Mary. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've done my research. And that, that's the final straw for Han Solo. Yeah, for some reason that infuriates him. You know what? The wanton murder and property destruction I was cool with. But you specifically name-checking that girl I spoke to earlier is the (laughs) last straw, pal. Yeah. Over Uh, my smoking bones, he says.
0: (laughs) Which I do like that as a turn of phrase. That's pretty good. Uh, what I don't like is a turn of phrase. Now
1: we're going to star jumpers. I just want somebody to be like, Han, are we star hoppers or star jumpers? You really got to choose here.
0: Yeah, uh, who knows? But on this next page, we do get Effie actually being effective because uh, he uses his Inspector Gadget arms to grab one of these star riders, presumably Wardo. Remember Wardo, that green guy who Han fought in the bar and it then joined the, star, the cloud riders and is now presumably killed during this scene who could forget wardo answer me i totally (laughs) forgot about (laughs) wardo because yeah effie grabs one of the rails of these can i just talk about how like weird the cloud riders conveyances are why do they have skis on the bottom when we have hovercraft technology
1: yeah they have like uh landing struts of a helicopter
0: yeah because we'll I mean in solo specifically we will see the kind of like raider types being led by oh. infest nest and their like uh, cloud cycles and that's honestly fair. kind of a better execution of this type of gang
1: way better those look cool as hell um uh-huh. but look I'll go on all day about how much I love solo um,
0: fair is
1: that movie rules uh, uh
0: but yeah go f* go yeah, and uh, kind of one-twos one of these Cloud Riders, presumably Wardo, into the waiting murderous arms of Chewbacca the Wookiee.
1: I actually legitimately love this murder alley <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do love the term murder alley
1: Because, I, I mean, I can only assume Chewie has knocked this guy's head off.
0: Oh, I mean... Uh, the, the 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 narration even says, obviously such forces cannot compare with that which binds the galaxy together, yet in their own immediate way, they are effective, referring to the enraged seven-foot Wookiee.
1: What I love is they're going like, obviously the force is the most powerful thing, but a close second is too high. <laughs> And I do. I am a huge Chewie fan. And anytime Chewie gets to be a badass, I am on board for it. So, yeah, absolutely. And he Uh, is in the hell. Well, because he takes this guy down. And then I think the third panel here implies he beats him fully to death once he's on the ground.
0: Oh, I had assumed a Mortal Kombat style finisher in which Chewbacca has reached through this individual's rib cage and grabbed some very important internal organ. The Marvel Comics Chewie is so vicious. Again, all we have to go on is that first movie in which the big Chewie scene in that first movie is, well, if a, if a Wookiee loses, he'll tear your arms off. This is true. This is true. Chewie becomes
1: a, a little bit cuddlier as things go along. But I do like when he is just oh, pushed to the limit. This thing will kill.
0: I mean, almost immediately in Empire, we get him like really concernedly trying to put 3PO back together and we get a different tone of Chewbacca in that film.
1: Which I do, I mean, which I do also love the gentle giant aspect of him of he is the vicious warrior, but he loves his friends and obviously mm-hmm. cares about them. I mean, the moment when they close the blast doors on Echo Base and he howls for Han is, you know, heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um, get F.A. throwing himself in front of a blaster bolt aimed at Jim. I think uh, we can all agree that Effie would have maybe been more effective had uh, he just let Jim die.
1: Agreed. Effie is actually as we've established, Effie is one of the most effective fighters they had.
0: Right. And Jim is the worst. <laughs> right. So when Effie gets it right here and is yeah. bazacked to death. Uh, I mean, it, and really this robot is murdered. Oh yeah. I mean, we see if if, if this was a person, there would be guts everywhere.
1: That's what I love. That's one of my favorite things in comics and animation. As soon as it's a robot, you can just get as violent as you want.
0: Oh, I mean, look, we both remember the glory that is the pilot of Samurai Jack. And if any oh. of that had been, like, colored red, that would be the, one of the goriest things put on television in 2002.
1: That's one of the things that's great about that. But and or The Batman the animated series episode, Heart of Steel, where it's like, oh, yeah, now Batman can just, like kick people into the bat signal and pry <laughs> them because it's a robot so take its head off man Who yeah cares? absolutely you can have wolverine just claw the hell out of a sentinel from you know and rip it limb from limb mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, so we're blasting away we lost effie oh no Chewie seems really upset. They apparently did bond at some point here.
0: Well, they did a they did a murder alley oop together. That is like sacred Wookie tradition right there. We are brothers now, you yeah. <laughs> uh, So we got Amaza shooting some bandits. That apparently some of these guys have gotten off of their cloud rider devices, which seems really stupid. We, I know, yeah. Once
1: again, take keep the high ground. I don't know why you wouldn't just keep strafing from the air. That is classic
0: Star Wars logic. You always, always, always need the high ground.
1: <laughs> if we've ever learned anything from Star Wars, take that advice,
0: my friend. Absolutely. Uh, it's all about awesome. um, Yeah, we, we get Don Juan leaping in here uh, with now the lightsaber is kind of like white-yellow. Uh, and it's and it's once again, the way they're drawing it is always like, the, I don't like this like
1: flaming saber blade that they kind of draw the, you know.
0: Yeah, that, like, that'll be a semi-constant in the comics moving forward to give the lightsaber a bit more like pizzazz as the comics go on. And, and I get that
1: from an aesthetic standpoint, but it actually to me kind of ruins how cool the lightsaber is, which is just that solid beam of light that the, is the blade of it. It's simple an
0: elegant weapon for a more civilized time.
1: Absolutely. And it's not till, and I shudder to bring up the sequels, but something I do like is the crackling nature of Kylo Ren's blade that is more chaotic because of how it's put together. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Oh, that actually tells you something. That's yeah. That's, that's it. I, 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 there's the warning going off my head going, talking about sequel trilogy, get out, steer out. <laughs> I know, I know.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention just how much like Rom the Space Knight Don Juan Quixote looks in his armor yeah. here.
1: Yeah, and that I, I do think some of it is that, where it's like, well, we kind of already have an idea for this design from our Rom comic we're publishing. Right.
0: Um, uh, what year did Rom come out? I'd be curious to know if this predates that or not. I know it's, it's around kind of- this time.
1: It's got to be... Uh, uh, I'm going to do a quick search on this. It's got to be pretty contemporary. Right. Um, uh,
0: oh. But on this next page, we do get uh, his lightsaber uh, going back to ooh. white here.
1: It predates it ever so slightly. 79 is the first issue.
0: Oh, interesting. So this predates Rom the Space Knight. Curious. It
1: does. It does. And, and oh, I did not know this first uh, Rom the Space Knight cover... Not the interiors, but cover drawn by Frank Mellon. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, this we... guy, by the way, <laughs> uh, uh, maskless Jason Voorhees here is getting his head chopped into.
0: Oh, by Don Juan Quixote at the top of this next page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we we then have him defending Amazo only to get shot from above. Uh, yeah. And. Uh, definitively dying i am for sure saying that don juan quixote is dead here we see him getting shot we see him saying farewell comely damsel at you, at least you shall live bleh, and then falling over dead his eyes closed the universal sign of being dead
1: from the corner of his eye han solo sees the valiant old man drop but eulogies must wait
0: Yes, so let us say here and now, regardless of what I say in the next episode, this character is dead.
1: It's possible we've already read the next issue and may have some problems next week. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Uh, so anyway, uh, things are going poorly is what this is meant to be, right?
0: Absolutely. Uh, they're, They're losing this fight. And he is, like, taking blaster fire. They're trying to take cover. He's uh, calling out for Hedgy. Hedgy's like, I'm no amateur solo, but thanks anyway for the warning. As he's firing more of his quills out. Uh, Let me go
1: to the next page, and this old man is, uh... But, I'm sorry, Anton Arcane from uh, the Swamp Thing <laughs> animated series is, uh
0: is howling here i I was gonna Uh, say uh xanatos's dad from gargoyles oh (laughs) that too yeah
1: (laughs) any like decrepit or burnt old man is what we're looking at here Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah he's going and i do like in mid-battle han's like i don't know what that old man's yelling about but i don't have time to think about it i gotta punch this guy
0: Look, if you were in the middle of a pitched laser battle with uh, sky-swooping space raiders and suddenly mm-hmm. off to the side, an old man began shouting at uh, a rock mountain and crying out to some unknown mythic beast, and then the earth starts shaking, I too would be concerned.
1: Yeah, pew pew, I don't really have, pew pew, I don't know what's going on, pew pew. Uh, but, uh, so, yeah, he he's, bla- he's zacking away. And boffing some guy. Uh, Jax has got
0: his back. Uh, guns akimbo, also shooting guys out of the sky.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it, and and so they're you know. But our main attack still coming from the sky. Jax is running out of ammunition.
0: Maybe. Uh- uh, he he's just asking, how's your ammo doing? And uh, Jax is saying, ah, I'm okay, but I think we're ammo- going to die before ammo- I run out of...
1: Ammo is always one of those weird things in Star Wars. I think we've talked about it before. The it's a thing,
0: of- just don't worry about it.
1: Yeah, of ammunition. It's, it's, let me say, it's one of those things that's a thing when they want it to be a thing. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> like, guns have power packs that need to be replaced eventually, so there is, like, a, a concept of ammunition, but...
1: Well that's the thing, is like I can get I can get on board with a power pack, but I don't think of that as the same idea as ammunition.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's the same yeah. like the difference between Mass Effect one and two when they're just like, Yeah, but we need to have some kind of reload function so we can't I mean, stick what? with the fiction that uh the guns are actually just carving off thin little slivers of tungsten yeah. that fire at near sublight speeds didn't
1: mind the idea that it was just the guns overheated at a certain point. I thought that was kind of interesting, but they ditched that quickly.
0: Well, no, because the in-universe explanation is like, yes, but these are thermal clips. So after a certain number of fired shots, they will stop cooling the gun as effectively and thus need to be replaced.
1: No, I understand it's the same idea. It's just dumb.
0: <laughs> it is very dumb. <laughs>
1: Uh, they but like, you need to find ammo for laser guns. Um, even,
0: even dumber, perhaps, is what happens at the end of this page as we have the old man crying out, Hear me, slumbering one. I beg you, awaken as you did in decades past. Our then- minds are now linked together as one. Emerge from your bedchambers of stone. Save us, whose ancestors once worshipped you. <laughs> and
1: then for some reason, I can't figure out, there's an inset panel of... Uh, James Bond, Jaws performer Richard Keel. Uh, <laughs> it I don't does know look why. like Richard
0: Keel. <laughs> exactly like Richard Keel.
1: I don't know why they've cut to him, but he seems upset. Uh,
0: also, his haircut has radically changed between this panel and the last one he was in. Yes, he's rocking the what we call the Dorothy Hamill cut.
1: Um, yeah. Jesus, I don't know what the deal with this is. He said, he went in and said, Give me the Valerie Bertinelli from Eight is Enough. Uh, Or I'm sorry, One Day at a Time, my old (laughs) sitcom friends. I mistakenly said Eight is Enough.
0: Because, as we all know, the classic trope with this seven samurai, Magnificent Seven uh, group of rogues and rebels going to save a village, the classic end of this trope is what we see on the last page as a giant monster emerges from the mountain. You know, in Magnificent Seven, when Godzilla comes out of the ground at the end of the movie?
1: Who could forget when James Coburn summoned Godzilla and... uh (laughs) Or, or, or Kira Kurosawa's legendary monster design
0: in The Seven Samurai. Uh, well, fuck, I, mean, I mean, the fact that The so Seven like, Samurai and the original Godzilla came out the same year is actually yeah, like he, what could have been. Is
1: I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say just those two movies, that's the single greatest year for Japanese cinema. Like, I, two of the most iconic films ever made in that country come out in the same year.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a it's prolific time.
1: It really is. That is I mean that is gold. Those are those are both amazing movies. Um but uh yeah, here comes this thing and it is garging its way out of the ground.
0: Yeah. And this is <sighs> Because it's a Star Wars thing, we gotta have a giant monster show up? Like, I do not understand the logic behind this creature showing up, other than we don't know how to end this story in a way that, couldn't they just defeat the Sky Riders? I, yeah, it doesn't seem like insurmountable odds. No, and like, maybe Han has to come up with some kind of weird ingenuity thing to finally defeat Sir JX?
1: That could be a thing, or it doesn't do the actual thing that Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven, all these stories do, which is the rallying of the villagers themselves to help the mercenaries fight back. That's actually how these stories end, is usually, we have now inspired, the the, the, the Magnificent Seven don't on their own defeat the villains of that movie. Mm -hmm. It is about, oh, the heroism of these guys inspires everyone to fight for what's theirs.
0: Yeah, that's actually the... Like thing we're missing from this story and that is a key feature of a lot of these sorts of stories is the one villager who's like, but I'm going to fight while the rest of the village is like, no, it will only make things worse. Right.
1: And there's also none of the idea that the, the whole the whole arc of those stories is always we're mercenaries just in it for the money. But as we spend time with the village, we actually come to care for the people and fight for the morality of the situation.
0: Yeah, but that would require, like, two more issues, so we're just going to wrap this up with a Godzilla monster.
1: Which, I gotta say it, I mean, I I, I, (laughs) get out of here, just get out of the story. So, so. here it is, man, here it comes, the next issue promises Day of the Behemoth.
0: Yeah, yeah, and boy, will it be a day indeed for that behemoth. Uh, But that is the end of issue number nine of- Except uh, for our pin up here. Oh uh, yes, we do have a quick pinup. I, I close the comic. I'll bring it back up real quick so we can see the pinup. And which is, yeah, it looks terrible. <laughs> it, it's uh, is this Jakins art? I don't even know. It is. It says it's
1: Jakins art at the bottom here. It says uh, uh, Chewie, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, and Princess Leia as seen by artist Howard Jakins.
0: I would honestly like it more if this was like the consistent art we got for the last nine issues of this comic it was just like some artists take like yeah in context to the actors we know it and like the the prosthetics we get of Chewie like it doesn't look great but if this was just like the artistic rendering that we'd had the entire time I'd be totally cool with that
1: this actually looks more like future Chaken comics than anything we've seen
0: Mm -hmm. yeah totally
1: there is a real. He has an instantly recognizable style that, if you read things like Black Flag or, or stuff like that, it looks like this:
0: female saying, characters with no nose.
1: Oh yeah, never, never a nose. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, that is uh, a thing
0: with his female
1: characters. It is, yeah. So, uh, if you've read Satellite Sam, the book he did with Mac Fraction, mm-hmm. someday I'll have to tell my Howard Chakin story on here, but we don't have time right now. <laughs> I did have an interesting run in with the man.
0: But yeah, that is issue number nine. Uh, Next oh, wow. issue, we are in for the day of the behemoth. Oh uh, man, I can't wait.
1: I can't wait. That's not true. I can absolutely wait. Uh- <laughs> C-
0: can Han Solo escape the clutches of this murderous monster and finally defeat Serge AX? Yeah, probably. It's a common I'm
1: going gu- to guess there's a high likelihood he will.
0: <laughs> yeah, here's the real curveball. Issue number 10, Han Solo eats it. That would be <laughs> a
1: bold decision. Right your way to that, Lucas. Uh, <laughs> that's right, we killed him.
0: But yeah, uh, we're looking forward to issue number 10. Hopefully we can finally wrap this story up and get onto a more interesting storyline. Like I said, it really does feel like Roy Thomas is just like, fuck this book, I'm out of here. And it's really evident in the next issue because again, I've read ahead a little bit. Issue number 10 will wrap this storyline up in a very abrupt fashion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's very clear that Roy Thomas was just washing his hands of the whole affair and walking away. Absolutely. So we'll talk about that next week. But, of course, uh,
1: make sure you uh, like and subscribe here uh, if you're watching on YouTube or whatever podcatching app you're using.
0: Yeah, dongle the bongle, hit like, hit subscribe, leave a review, comment below. Uh, what do you think a good name for the behemoth is in the comments below? Because he never really gets a name. I'm thinking George, but that might be too easy.
1: It is. Behem- behemoth alone speaks to the laziness of this. I would mm-hmm. love to hear some of the thoughts that uh, our listeners and viewers have about that. Uh, and, of course, you can. Uh, we are part of the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. You can reach out to us, Punch-Up, uh, was it Punch-Up N.? Punch up E N?
0: Punch Up E N on all the social medias, exactly.
1: Uh, and uh, and of course, the best way to support the show is to go to our Podbean patron page, patron.podbean.com slash punch up for cool exclusive bonus content
0: from all our shows. Absolutely. Uh as always, thank you so much for listening, and may the panel be with you.